0: Inside Sources. Inside,
2: Inside Sources.
0: America's Voice of Reason. Boyd Matheson.
2: On Utah's Home for Elevated Conversation.
0: Inside Sources. On KSL News
2: Radio.
1: The presidential race for 2024 continues to heat up as a few more Republicans dip their toes in the water. The big question, the headline, of course, above all else, is uh, what will the former president's position be amongst Republican voters, Uh, particularly looking three years post-presidency? Will he continue to be the giant and dominate the stage? Or are there cracks in the armor and some things happening under the surface that might change the conversation? Let's begin. Think you know the news of the day. Think again. We're really pleased to have joining us on the show today, Isaac Arnsdorf, a national political reporter for The Washington Post. It covers the former president and uh, the Make America Great political movement and a great piece in The Washington Post uh, that has some really interesting undercurrents that I think some people have been sensing, but no one has quite figured out how to measure just yet. And uh, Isaac, welcome to the show. And uh, give us some some sense, first of all, in and, and just kind of the lay of the land as it relates to the former president as he mounts uh, another run for the White House.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me. So we wanted to tackle this really big question that you alluded to, which is, you know, what is going on with former President Trump's standing with Republicans? Is that grip that he's had on the Republican base for so many years? starting to fade or starting to weaken uh, in the aftermath of the 2022 midterms, which were disappointing for a lot of Republicans and let a lot of fingers pointed in his direction. So what we did was we went out to the the key electoral states that uh, decided the last presidential election and are probably going to decide the next one and talked to a lot of Trump voters about where they are. And what was interesting is um, we, we found that there really has been a change. Um, you know, if you if you take as your baseline um, that kind of unassailability of Trump, that's not where we are anymore. But that's also not to say that, like, suddenly everyone's become a never Trumper. There's this there's this big middle that's opened up a way for people to to be pro Trump in the sense that they thought he was a great president um, and they they really like him. Uh, and they still really like him, but they have real reservations about whether he would be the best Republican nominee in 2024.
1: Uh, I think that is such a, an interesting space, and I, I think it is an area uh, where, again, I think he, the pr- former president has uh, a solid base and whatever that is, 20 or 23 percent of the re- Republican Party, uh, but then there's this vast majority that aren't necessarily never Trumpers, as you described it, uh, but they're post-Trump, saying, okay, we'll, we'll say Great job. Well done. We love the policies uh, during your term and we feel it's time to move on. Uh, And so as you looked at that, do you see that as a as a rising tide? And if so, how does that change the dynamic and who actually might get in in addition uh, to the former president and currently Nikki Haley?
2: Well, I think there was a range. You know, there were people who were kind of more or less uh, interested in voting for him again versus in, in seeing someone else as the nominee. But, uh, but you know, they were persuadable. They were, they were gettable. Uh, they were, a lot of those people in the middle were kind of, I I think, open to being to swinging back to him or to being won over by someone else. And I think that's helpful for contextualizing part of what you're seeing with, uh, for example, Nikki Haley, who is declared and, and Tim Scott, who has not, but, um, uh, appears to be uh looking at getting in um you know where they're where they're asked in interviews you know what's a policy difference you have with trump and they they say nothing <laughs> um you know it's it's people are competing for, for that voter who is very pro-Trump but interested in someone else to carry that mantle forward. So it's not about being anti-trump. it's not about attacking the things that Trump stood for. Uh, it's just about whether someone besides Trump could actually become the best messenger for the party um, on you know in 2024
1: yeah. One of the things that you had in your piece that I just loved, uh, we're always talking about the fake fights and the false choices. Uh, and you went after one of those in terms of kind of the make America great again versus kind of the rhino Republican in name only dichotomy. Uh, and you said that after eight years, it, it's becoming increasingly obsolete. Describe that for us.
2: Right. So that's, you know, that's meaning that uh, there there you know, there isn't really a faction left in the party That is that is anti-Trump. And it's just a question, uh, you know, basically everyone uh, or most the vast majority of the party is uh, identifying themselves with with the Make America Great Again movement, with America first uh, and with Trump's policies and his presidency. Um, But again, that's not the same as saying that Trump has to be the guy. Um, So the, you know, it's just a way of saying that the idea that, you know, you're either with Trump or against Trump, as it was for so long, you know, that's not the case anymore. There's this new way to be.
0: I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast Cold. In October of 1985, In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.
1: Yeah, I think that's a a really interesting thing, and I do think that really... Scrambles uh, things a little bit in terms of who might still get in. Uh, obviously, I think the larger the field, the more that favors the former president, uh, because I think he does have a fairly solid base. How big that is, I think, is up for debate. Um, but as you as you look at that and you start to project forward, uh, what does this kind of, of polling and this kind of public sentiment coming out? Uh, What does that do to some of those who, uh, like a Tim Scott or like a a former Vice President Pence, uh, what does it do to them in terms of looking at that field, saying, "Okay, is there a lane? Is there a path? Uh, And do I get in?
2: Well, that's right. So so one challenge is uh, is certainly uh, former President Trump's team recognizes that uh, the more people, the merrier from their perspective. Right. It it, It helps him to have the non-Trump vote split a lot of ways. So they're quite happy to see more people join. And and it's already a question that some of these other would-be challengers are getting. Um, you know, how, how do they know uh, if it's time to get in or time to get out? And we are actually seeing the field um, be a little bit slower to emerge than it might have looked like uh, a few months ago, right after the midterms, when there were a lot of people just chanting at the bit, uh, to get in there, but but you're right. They've got to figure out a way to chip away at that that part of the base that is really committed to Trump. Um, you know, talks about even voting for him as an independent if he weren't the nominee. And from what we can tell, that's a that's a smaller group than it used to be. Um, and smaller than it's been in a long time. Uh, but, but those people still exist. We talk to them. Uh, and, uh, and so other candidates have to figure out a way to, to, to wear that down or else, you know, we could see a repeat of what happened in 2016 where, you know, Trump ends up uh, riding a plurality uh, that, that takes him all the way. Yeah.
1: And I think that's such an interesting thing. And uh, most people don't think that through that, uh, uh, that the former president actually never had a majority, even of Republicans, uh, which is just an interesting thing uh, to think about. And, and so, as you look at it moving forward, uh, again, are we more likely to see that kind of scenario, or do you see uh, do you see someone who maybe is getting a little traction, or is there a segment of that a kind of movable middle of the Republican Party uh, that might say, okay, let's uh, let's give somebody else uh, the baton and see what they can do?
2: Well, certainly, in these voter interviews that we did in these swing states, the name on the tip of everyone 's tongue was Ron DeSantis. He was really the only other person who anyone volunteered um, and there was a lot of interest in him as someone who people said they thought could could kind of deliver what they liked about Trump, but with all, without all the baggage and what they called the divisiveness, which is basically the electability concerns yeah. that they have about trump um, but you know, the there was not the kind of of devotion to DeSantis that we heard about Trump. You know, some people just called him the Florida guy, for example. So, you know, that's that speaks to um, how people are aware of him. They like what they've seen, but they don't know him super well. And, you know, depending on how the race goes, you know, either way.
1: All right. And then final question for you, uh, before I let you go, uh, as you look forward, obviously uh, spring uh, and hope springs eternal (laughs) for a lot of those who uh, sit in those rooms. And a pollster will tell them where they're where they're polling and their people will tell them they're the guy or they're the gal uh, to carry it. Uh, As you look at those kind of rooms, uh, what do you sense in terms of a real discussion in terms of, hey, here's an actual path uh, that could lead to the nomination?
2: Again, it's you know no one wants to be. There, there are a few people who are running uh, or, or who have uh, made moves towards running who have, uh, like Larry Hogan from Maryland, for example. You know he's taken a, a pretty strong kind of anti-Trump position. But otherwise, um, you know you see this with DeSantis and Haley. Like they're not they're not trying to be an anti-Trump candidate. They're not trying to be a never-Trump candidate. That's not uh, that's not going to win them enough votes. Um, And so the trick is, how can you uh, how can you make yourself more appealing than Trump? How can you uh, how can you dislodge Trump without alienating Trump's supporters because he remains so popular with so many Republicans? And, you know, that's the thing when everyone avoids actually taking Trump head on. You know, that's kind of how we won in 2016. Everyone was was competing to be the last person standing to take on Trump one-on-one. And that just, as a result, they all fought amongst themselves and no one ever brought Trump down.
1: Yeah. Uh, Fascinating stuff. Great piece. Isaac Arnsdorf, national political reporter for The Washington Post. Uh, Super piece. We appreciate you joining us today. Thank you. All right. Uh, Again, that's Isaac Arnsdorf. And so interesting. uh, The numbers are shifting. Sentiment is sliding. Uh, Does it mean that uh, the former president still has a base that could Give him a plurality and carry him to the nomination for the Republicans, or is the growing sentiment a post-Trump, not an anti-Trump, not a never-Trump, but a post-Trump world where maybe the policies uh, keep moving forward, but with a different messenger? With Lloyd Matheson on KSL News Radio.